Hello, Kelly. Hello. You guys, I am so excited to introduce you to Kelly Coleman. Kelly is a feature film development executive turned author who is active in the disability advocacy community. She serves on committees for Children's Hospital Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Unified School District, and Canine Companions. Her book, Everything No One Tells You About Parenting a Disabled Child, Your Guide to the Essential Systems, Services, and Supports, stems from her own parenting experience, giving parents the tools to spend less time navigating the stuff and more time loving their kids exactly as they are. She lives in Los Angeles with her husband, two children, and her son's service dog. And we are so happy to welcome Kelly to the podcast. Thanks for joining us, Kelly. Thank you for having me and for also having podcast that just lets the air out of the balloon, that looking at things from the legal side and how do we put it all together, but also in a way we can understand is so important. And I find that your podcast is so empowering because it feels like, oh, I can do that. And I think if we all had resources that aren't just talking, talking and acronyms, but are like, oh, I can do that. Mm -hmm. Such a powerful base of information to be starting from. Mm. Thank you. That's why we're here. That's That's the goal. It's funny when I get that feedback, because I'm a really, really high strung person that works really, really hard to uh, release the pressure in my own balloon. (laughs) Hashtag pelvic floor therapy. (laughs) So I'm happy to be of service for others. And maybe I could learn a little from from that which I preach. But yeah, and you know, Kelly, you do the same because we've got, you know, your your extraordinary book that helps to give people that information. And I think that's a, a really important place to to start. And then we're going to circle back and say, tell us about your family. But the more information that we can provide people, the, the less of a burden people feel. And that's really kind of my goal. And I know we talked a little bit offline and, and that's really what your goal was in writing the book also, right? Yes. For All of us, I feel like so many of us parents jump into this world with no knowledge and total ignorance of disability in general, much less, you know, disability rights, laws and special education, everything and all of this stuff. And we're basically just told to go home, Google and cry. See ya. And we are all it's like we're reinventing these same wheels over and over But what is the foundational information that we all need, whatever the disability is, and how can we get that in a way that we can actually understand and use and isn't just like high-level medical terminology? We get that. But I wanted to write a book that feels like you are having a conversation so that you feel like you genuinely understand this and are able to create your own path. I feel like I am still learning and we are a decade in. And if I'd had this book, if I'd had these resources, our son would be in an even better place. Yeah. Because it is exhausting to figure all this out. Yeah. And I mean, you we've got 300 pages of 
the inf- no, 200 pages of the information plus a, an, a really hefty, nice appendix. It's not hard to figure out. To me, another thing that your book does really, really well is it organizes it. Because, you know, you've got stuff coming at you from all the different areas and it just feels so disorganized and hard to kind of like compartmentalize in your brain, right? And and you've done that really nicely, I think. Thank you. I, it helps that my brain sort of thinks in bullet points. So there you go. And, you know, I had all these templates that have been sitting around on the desktop of my computer for the last decade. And I'll like email them to a friend when I'm like, oh, you're doing a school visit. Here, bring this checklist. Oh, you're going to see a specialist for the first time. Here's a list of questions of like whatever it is. Yeah. And I Again, it's like we're reinventing the same wheels. And it's like just like, you know, here's what's packed for the emergency room. Here's what like sharing this information so that we can create systems. For me, I feel like uh, we have two kids. They're both amazing. One has extensive support needs. And in order to make life as a parent caregiver sustainable long-term, and for us, caregiving is a lifetime, full-time job because of our son's support needs, we have to create systems that make this sustainable. And you're right. It feels like there are 10,000 things to do yesterday. And how the heck am I going to do this? And it's so much. So yeah, I'm all about like creating organized systems that work for you so that we can make this sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. And here, here we are, we're 35 layers into the onion and I haven't even said, tell us about your kid. So And I do know, I mean, and that's really important background because your book stems from your parenting experience and your own personal um, life. So why don't you talk to us about your journey with disability and a little bit about your beautiful family? Our kids are amazing. I could talk about them all day. We have two boys. Sean is 12. Aaron is 10. Sean's the kid who plays electric guitar and also the tuba and does magic and builds movie sets out of Legos and is just this like out of the box creative mind that I'm in awe of every day. I'm also in awe of Aaron every day. We said he's the mayor of Trader Joe's because he just walks around and waves and high fives and helps them stock the shelves. He loves airplanes and swimming and all the things. Um, He also has multiple disabilities, including an overall yet undiagnosed genetic syndrome, and within that, autism, cerebral palsy, epilepsy, microcephaly, cortical vision impairment, feeding tube, sensory, cognitive, gross motor, fine motor. Like he's like, I'm just going to be an overachiever. I'm just going to check all the boxes. Like, check the boxes. That's great. He is, you know, just this vibrant, bubbly, hilarious human, and. I knew pretty much nothing about disability going into my parenting journey, which made it really hard. And you're into this. And I'm so passionate about if every person who was thinking about having kids was pregnant, has a new baby, like whatever. If the parenting classes said, okay, we're going to learn to diaper, diaper the dolls in five minutes. But before that, Just FYI, here are the statistics on how prevalent disability is. Statistically speaking, somebody in this room 
is going to have one or more children with a disability, it's actually not a tragedy. There are inroads and starting points and people to help you. If this is your kid, call us. We have resources. Now let's learn yeah. to diaper baby. That alone, I think, would fundamentally change how parents enter into this world. I think by not even talking about disability, we're sort of saying like, oh, this is bad. Can't talk about it. This is real yeah. bad. Yeah. It's it hard. If we don't talk about it, it feels bad. And if we don't talk about it with our kids, they don't see it. But Kelly, do you think that it we are doing a better job as a, a country in in outreach campaigns with you know different industries? I mean, we're using people with disabilities more in marketing. Certainly, in the film and and entertainment businesses, we are you know, highlighting people with disabilities. And there's a really effective push, I think, to make sure that people that are, that we aren't acting as though we have a disability if we are not disabled ourselves. And, you know, I go back and look at movies and get so uncomfortable when, gosh, have you watched Forrest Gump again? I haven't. I've been hesitant to. We, my husband and son have a, a, list of movies that they want to watch before he graduates from high school. And Forrest Gump was on there. And I said, oh, I'll watch that one. I'll, you know, I, I'm not a like, major movie buff at all. I don't watch a ton of TV, actually. But I was like, I'll watch that one. I couldn't make it like 20 minutes. Wow. I know. So, but the question is, are we doing a better job as a society in addition to that prenatal time period in our lives. Don't you think that's going to make a difference? I think it is making a huge difference. And I think there will always be work to be done. There will always be evolution. And we now have so many disabled leaders, whether it's in creative fields, making media, whether it is in government and policy making, the more disabled leaders we have and that we're all following, the more awareness and representation and, you know, the more it shatters the myth of like, oh, your kid's so tragic because he's disabled. That's so sad. Like, Mm -hmm. he's fine. Like, Mm -hmm. we're good. Um, And I think we're also talking about it, right? Like I have zero hesitations talking. I have a physical disability. I broke my back when I was 15. I've never had trouble talking about that. But, you know, I'm also legally blind and I have sometimes pretty debilitating anxiety. And I have no problem talking about those things either. And I think, you know, we've got leaders that are talking about that. We've got a president that has an expressive speech disorder and a fluency diagnosis with stuttering and you know we're talking about that more and I, I I do yeah I agree that that's helping you know quite a bit but yeah there's a lot of work to be done huh so much well and what you just said and I so appreciate that you just shared that about yourself you know who doesn't find it awkward to talk about disability disabled people right that's me yeah are talking to disabled people and getting firsthand experience, we're actually getting the reality of it. Yeah. And man, we need that. Yeah. You know, you're right. And we, so not nothing about us without us. Right. And I certainly don't, you know, it, I, I don't exploit the 
the diagnoses that I have, because that's really what they are, their diagnoses, right? Like I have a, I am far less impacted by those diagnoses than my son is by his diagnoses. And so, yeah, I think that's also, you know, an, an important piece to it. I talk far less about my own stuff than I do about his, but we should be talking um, to people with disabilities about these topics. Let's talk about the supports, systems, and services because we've got some good alliteration there, you know, and, and let's talk about access because that's really what this book is about is access to the supports, services, systems, understanding them, teasing them apart. I love it. It totally makes sense that you think in bullet points. How do parents begin this, the process of navigating all the systems and figuring out what exists? So the first thing parents can do to just start to navigate it all is just validate the fact that if they are feeling overwhelmed and like this is way too much, yes, you are correct. Like you are not alone in that feeling and certainly connecting with other parents and connecting with resources that are specific to your state, your county, your school district, it is it all varies wildly. But starting with figuring out where you are getting real and true information, mm -hmm. if you are in Texas versus if you're in California versus if you're in Kentucky, you will have very different services at the school level from the state support, even under the same federal guidelines and programs. Everything is administered by the state. So know that it is a lot to figure out. And when people are starting to say, like, I need a system for the medical stuff and for the school stuff and for the future care plan and for the financial planning and all of the stuff. I advise people to pick one thing where you feel like you know you can have and see success fairly quickly. For example, look at the IEP and look at the goals and have an understanding of where you want your child to end up at the end of the school year. And then look at those goals because that can be a tangible way to feel like you are having a victory. Yeah. And say, okay, if goals drive services, which they do, and my kid is non-speaking, but I believe he will get there and by the end of the year we'll make progress. Oh, but we don't have any speech goals. But looking at where you can actually see the progress or even saying, I think that insurance bill was wrong and I think they didn't pay what they needed to pay. You know, I have my list in the book of like, here's what to do when you're calling the insurance company. No one is ever going to enjoy that. It's never going to be fun. But it's real fun to open up the mailbox and get a check. So. Right. On that, because you're like, you know what? I really need that $200 check in the mail. Choose something where you can feel like you have a victory mm -hmm. because then it is motivating to get it done. And putting all of these systems in place, reading my book, doing all the things, like, is it ever going to be fun to do all the paperwork? No, it's not. But you can get better at it so that it becomes not a big deal and not this mountain of chaos that it can feel like. Yeah. And, you know, a few times throughout the book, it's like, what can I do? And your first thing is just get started. 
And I think that's what I love about the book, because you've got all these sections on like what worked for me. And that is the the bullet points of what information is the most important and then kind of what you can ignore in order to just get started. And, you know, you're right, because it is so overwhelming. I remember when my Jack was born. My dad said to me, we were home, so we were maybe like 10 days into life with him. And of course, we got a diagnosis. Ours was after birth, but with Down syndrome, it's stereotypically pretty quickly. And I said, and, you know, I don't even know if I was like overwhelmed or whatever, but my dad said, everything is going to be 10% more complicated. But if you just think about it as 10% more complicated, it's going to be a whole lot better. And if we look at that guy right now, look at him. He's fine. He was sleeping in a pack and play next to my bed. And he said, look at him. He's fine. That baby is going to the bathroom. He's eating. He's breathing. Everything is fine right now. And here's what I like. I've reflected on that so much because if things aren't fine, and believe me, they have not been fine. That's not what I'm contemplating calling the insurance company. That's thank you so much for saying that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, so these things that we have, this is like life in 200 pages. This is what we can do on a Monday afternoon at two o'clock. And then we can get going. And I mean, Kelly, it's even like how to prepare to go on a flight with your child. It's, you know, I mean, you get pretty detailed and we can get that much, that many lists and ideas in just 200 pages. So when it all boils down, there's a lot to do, but it's really not that complicated. It's not because you can, like you said, take it in little bits. And I've broken this down so that you can literally just say, I'm just going to do this one thing today and then I'm going to pat myself on the back and it's going to be great. Yeah. Because there will be times of calm. There will be times of chaos. And doing all of this stuff also gives you not just a big picture relief, but a deep sense of there are things I can control. There are things I cannot control. Our son is medically complex and complex in many ways. And especially at those times in his life where I felt like this health medical stuff is out of control. I am floundering. I'm crying every day. I'm sitting on the floor of the kitchen eating cereal out of the box and haven't showered in a while. And like, boy, these yoga pants are comfy. I've been wearing these for a week. Right? Like we all have that. Yes. Yeah. Saying to yourself, again, back to just validating everything, like I actually can't control this. I'm just managing it the best that I can. And then being able to separate like but here's what i can control i can control checking these things off the lists and that can be your self-care because it can give you the mental space yeah to just feel like i am not a failure i am not failing my child i'm not failing myself i am able to function and to do and to figure out in a way that makes this life sustainable i can't agree anymore uh, yes, I, I absolutely could not agree anymore. So I'm curious about this because in your little summary of the book, I love how you say 
we check those things off our list so we can get back to the beauty of loving our kids. Yes. And as a creative person yourself who works creatively and is immersed in a, a, a really creative lifestyle, why help us understand why that's so important? Because I think like we logical thinkers, I'm also like I have a really odd personality because I'm logical like a lawyer, but I'm crafty and have to be creative. Like all of a sudden I'll think I need to make bread. And I'm like, yeah, it's because I haven't like been creative in a second. Nice. Yes. Like help us kind of see where that balance is. Talk about that for a second. The balance is really hard because you want to be your own person. But you are also a caregiver. Most often it is not always, but most often it is the moms who are the point person steering the ship for all these things. And if people are saying, oh, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. And sometimes we just don't have the capacity for any of it. And it took me years of being full-time caregiver and I was just doing the things and then sleeping and waking up and doing it again yeah and I I am like you said when you're saying like you're crafty and you make bread I'm like yes let's make bread together and then we'll like make some yogurt and we'll go like knit a scarf that'll be great yeah Uh, right but yeah and then we'll be better at calling the insurance company yes and we'll be better at work And we will be able to actually watch the baseball game that's in front of us or pay attention to the band concert. Yes. And so many of us, and again, for years, I wanted to want to do those things because I didn't even want to pay attention to the baseball game or the band concert or whatever because I was so wrung out. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think we need to be really honest about the fact that that can and will happen, whether it's for an afternoon or for a decade or for however long. And we need to recognize when we are so disconnected from ourselves, it's not as simple as go get a massage and it'll make everything better. I like that's awesome. I wish that would. And sometimes it can make things better. But looking at where you are and saying, how can I not just like be my best self and go hustle and do this creative and buy a journal? And if you are there, great, all in, be there. Right. Also, if you are feel like you're drowning in all the stuff, honor that. And just when you can take a breath, say, can I, what can I do to create even a small amount of space for that? And even if that is like, I need to wake up early and I need to get the feeding tube stuff and the meds and the everything ready, but you know what? I'm going to make a cup of tea and I'm going to play Wordle. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And you know what I did this morning? I woke up early and had a cup of tea and played Wordle. Yeah. And then I got all the supplements and the meds and the feeding to and like then I did all of that. And sometimes that is all I get in the whole day. And other times I'm able to write a book. Yeah. And it, you know, I mean, and if you if if one were to purchase your book, 
and get a little thing of tabs and write airport, therapies, Medicaid, insurance, and just come to it when they need it. I think that would eliminate that stress because I am like a, a control freak type A person. And I also kind of think in lists and I always want to help other people get organized and all of that stuff. But then your mind kind of starts to spin with all those things that we have to do and we can't center ourselves in order to like even just get ahead of our kids. And if we're thinking about insurance, insurance, insurance in the back of our head, then we don't get ahead for our kids. Yeah. We're not like, oh, that craft project for your assignment about the opossum. Cool. I'll do that. You're like, like. We should be making oh the paper mache opossum with our child, which, by the way, we've done in our house. Uh, and it's well, yeah. And like, we're the parents that could make really great Valentine's Day boxes. However, we're so inundated with the lists that then we end up sending in the crappy Valentine's Day boxes. And it's, it's sad. It's sad. And it's such a recalibration of like, my kids are awesome. And not bud, but and this is a different parenting experience than I thought I would have. And that does not take anything away from my kids. Like I never imagined one of them would play the tuba. You know what? Like he's playing right. the tuba at 7 a.m. Just because that's what we do in our house. Wow. Uh, right? It's it's always awesome, by the way, because it sounds exactly how you're imagining tuba sounds for a sixth grader. Um, I want a tuba to like walk me through the steps of dinner, you know, like bull. and then i get stirred and he could be like oh my gosh that would be amazing well what we do oftentimes at bedtime is our younger son aaron often likes the same books and so we'll do the same group of books over and over and over which which is great and uh because that's his thing and then we get in tuba practice by saying we want you to freestyle and we want you to like make up the soundtrack for Mr. Brown can move while we are reading it. Yeah. I mean, it just sounds like Mr. Brown is farting the whole time. But that's all right. Because tuba sound like farts. That is great. That is great. So I want to talk about this because you and I had a discussion before we hit record. And I think it's very helpful to talk about this. So I'll preface this by saying I don't love to talk here on the podcast about like future, future planning adult life and, you know, like Medicaid services and that kind of thing, because we can put people into overwhelm just talking about that. But the way you and I talked about services varying from state to state and how that impacts our planning and our ability to be as free as we would like to be, I think was super helpful. So why do you help us kind of unpack that, like accessibility and how all of those various systems and services and supports change place to place and how it's important that we at least are informed and consider that as we make any kind of plan? Yes. And this is such a huge thing to bring up because it is not talked about enough is that even under the same federal guidelines, Every state administers programs differently, whether that is within school systems and districts, whether that is social services. Uh, My book has interviews with experts in every chapter and the chapter on insurance and social services. The hardest expert for me to 
locate and get to agree was the expert on government benefits. And I talked to many people who were experts and they were like, oh, no, you should just not include that in your book because it is such a mess. Yeah. And it was so eye opening. And we have a wonderful woman who's so well informed. If you start from a point of knowing what is available in your state and knowing that if you move to a different state and your child is one who needs social service support, who has an IEP, who is getting different government benefits, be that healthcare or services or respite or whatever it is, you absolutely should look into what services look like in another state before you move there. There can be wait lists, there can be waiting periods, there can be different deliveries of services or money available. And every state has a parent training and information center. That is a great place to start. You can certainly call and or Google your state's or that state's Department of Developmental Services, your Department of Health and Human Services. I like to start with the parent training and information centers because they are most often run and usually fully run by parents who have been in this scenario. Yeah. So they can really speak to the specifics. Um, our families on the whole who have kids with disabilities don't have the luxury of saying, I'm going to pursue a job in Colorado or Rhode Island or Hawaii or wherever. Right. Without really looking at what does life look like for our child? And everything can be figured out, but you need to start with real reliable information and not expecting that everything will translate. Agree. So whether that's Human Development Institute, Protection and Advocacy, you said, which is University Centers for Excellence in Developmental Disabilities, SPIN Networks, which is another acronym that usually you either have a USED or a SPIN, um, mm -hmm. those different, and HHS and um, Developmental Disability Services as well, DDS, um, and some are still called MD. So it might be like, you know, whatever county DMDD or something like that. Those places. And you know what I've learned in helping clients navigate other systems, because that's something that I'll do for folks. When I used to do divorce work, people would go from state to state. And then where I live is a tri-state area. So we have a lot of Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio discussions. And what I've learned is that the folks that work for those different entities, whether they are associated with the government or they aren't, they also are connected to doctors and therapists and psychologists. You know, like if you need a psychologist to talk about puberty or consent or something that's really, really nuanced, you might try calling one of those agencies or organizations to see if they have any connections because, you know, a lot of times they're also connected, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's another, what I was thinking, Kelly, is that's another kind of interesting use for your book is looking at all of the issues that your book discusses, all of those systems. And if you're thinking about relocation, checking out all of those systems as you kind of make the decision on whether you're going to go or where you're going to go or whatever, whether it's retirement, it's work-related, it's to care for a parent and it's elderly or whatever the reason. Yes. And looking at the specifics of how that state defines disability, how that dis 
how that state defines eligibility for services, not just what is being delivered, also your child's age. And systems change very much when your child is still a child versus when they're an adult. Is 18 the trigger age, as it will be for many places? Are there different triggers for different ages, either with social services, uh, with school system services? What are the age triggers? And even within that, different services can be triggered differently depending on when your child became disabled. If it is from birth, if it is at age 26, if it is at age 16, those put different triggers in place for different services. And like I said before, remember, this is a lot and this is a lot to figure out. But again, start with, you know, checklists in the book and literally fill out the forms and figure out what are the triggers? Does this state consider my child eligible for services, but this state doesn't? Yeah. Uh, you know, you still are protected within the umbrella of the Americans with Disabilities Act, but how does each state interpret that? Um, and that's why people say it's a mess is because it kind of is. It is a mess. Yeah. I mean, that's what we were saying offline is, you know, when you study constitutional law, like so much is founded in states having autonomy, but then also the idea of interstate travel and interstate commerce. And when you've got a child with a disability, that is extremely nuanced, extremely layered and multifaceted. And it's really important to make sure that you're thinking about all of the components to development, not just like their health and therapeutic development, but also making sure that you've got access to all of these services that make life, you know, a teeny bit too ex extremely more accessible. So that's a really good summary. Thank you for that. Kelly, yes. what's next? What's next for, for writing and advocacy? What do you, what do you got on your little to-do list, lady? Oh, by the way, little to-do list, as you're saying that, I've got my post-it notes. Here's my marker board. Here's my notebook. Here, like, I've got many to-do lists. Uh, well, when you were talking about insurance, this is my insurance stack right now. So it's like a, an inch thick, at least. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. <laughs> we're about to see a binder. right here next to me. I've got it as well. Um, and we do it in those little tiny windows. In That's right. That's right. Right now, I'm definitely figuring out with my publisher exactly what the next book will be. There is so much within this space, whether it's transition to adulthood, whether it is how to actually be a parent caregiver and what that looks like. And I'm doing a lot of events, not just, you know, support for the nuts and bolts and how do we do paperwork, but also as parent caregivers, what is that role and how do we fit in, fit in with all of this? And also doing a lot of writing workshops. So many of us, people say like, oh, you should write your story. And people are like, um, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's that, set alarms. There's that we like to be perfectly imperfect around here. So that's my strategy of the day. Set alarms. It helps you stay on track. I love it. I have, I'm like, this is why we get along. I have alarms. I have lists. I have all the things because otherwise I'm sitting on the floor of the kitchen eating cereal out of the box. Which right. Is sometimes the thing to do. Well, you know, I mean, carbs, carbs do a body good. 
You know what they do? It's a thing. We need them. It keeps all the things in balance. Exactly. Hey, Kelly, how can people find the book? Yes. So the book is available. It releases March 12th. Before that, it is available for pre-order at all the book places. After that, in your local bookstore and elsewhere. So, you know, Amazon, your local independent bookstore, and my website, kellycoleman.com. It's K-E-L-L-E-Y, Coleman. And has all the social media and events and everything. And my great hope is that every library and doctor's office and parent center will also carry this book. I'm so passionate about everyone needs equal access to information. If you cannot afford $20 to buy a book, you need to be able to go to the library and get this for free. So yeah. if you if you feel you need this and you do not have that money to spend call or email your local library and ask them to carry it because if we are not serving everyone equally with real information, we are doing us all a disservice. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I know you guys that pre-order pre-orders really help authors. So go sign up for a pre-order. The book again is Everything No One Tells You About Parenting a Disabled Child. Kelly, thank you so much. You are a gift to the world. The book is extraordinary. And I can't wait to have you back and talk about your next project. Yes, me too. Thank you so much. And for all that you do and are contributing to the conversation.